welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Um, oh man, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. I've been, uh, I look forward to the weekend most of the time. I would say 95% of the time I'm really excited to come to church on Sunday mornings. Only 5% where I'm like, oh man, I gotta go see those people again. Not today though, not today. I was up late last night. I was, uh, friends, one of my best friends turned 40. I never thought I'd be saying that. I never thought I'd be saying that. It's, uh. So, and, I, and listen to this. I was the bartender at the party. First party I've ever bartended, first friend who turned 40. So it was a big night. It was a big night. I totally, Josh was there. Josh was there. It was so much fun. I had a kick in the pants. So if the whole preaching thing dries up, I may have another deal coming down the pike. Okay, here we go. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Uh, uh, Okay, so I was on Instagram this week uh, looking through my little feed, and I saw this quote, and I, I thought, oh, that's very interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this, because here's what it said. What comes from God touches gently, comes quietly, does not disturb freedom, leads to quiet, profound, peaceful resolve within the heart. This person is essentially saying, what comes from God, here's what it looks like. Here's what it feels like. Have you ever heard a phrase like, after it's all said and done, dot, dot, dot? Or uh, um, like, when you boil it all down, here's what you get. There's a lot of debate and argument over what's the most important thing about following Jesus. And some people say, like, if you don't get this, then you don't get what it means to follow Jesus. And I think actually in Scripture itself, you find that this is true as well. Uh, you know, Paul says there, where there's faith, or there's faith, hope, and love, but the the, uh, uh, sorry, what, uh, the, the greatest of these, the greatest of these is love. I have a degree, it's up there, I promise. Uh, oh, and then Jesus says, all, you, if you want to sum up the law and the prophets, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? These are kind of like manifesto statements, sort of like boil it all down. And that's what we get at the end of this passage we're about to study this morning, where Jesus kind of sums it up, and he's like, the kingdom looks like this. So listen up. And it doesn't come uh, out of a vacuum, really. It, it comes in a context and in a larger conversation, out of a very natural and normal conversation and question that James and John ask Jesus. And I would suggest that it's a question that many of us, if not all of us, at some point in time have kind of wrestled with and, and thought through. So I want to explore this uh, passage from Mark 10 this morning. And in the following way, and we're just going to kind of let the text preach itself. Sometimes you come to the Bible, and you come with an idea, right? You have a truth or an idea, and you're looking for the text to kind of support or surround that idea. And if you've done your homework and you're on the right track, it should, right? But then sometimes you just let the text preach, and you just walk through it. Now, some churches say, like, we only do it this way because this is the best way to do it. I think that's dumb, and I don't think it's really all that helpful, um, I think both are necessary, both are needed, and we're just going to do one of the two, not both this morning. So this sermon is entitled, Creatively, Two Questions and a Comment, because that's pretty much what happens. So stand, if you will, and we'll read from Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Sounds a bit like a teenager. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. 
You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. With the ten, or When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Pray with me. God, as we gather this morning and we open up our hearts and our minds to these scriptures, we do so because we think that they're more than just words on a page. We believe, uh, I believe, that these are inspired and they reveal who you are and that you are still in the business of revealing yourself to us through them. And so inspire us, God. Breathe new life into us. Give us uh, light where there is darkness, I pray. Uh, Make us into the people that you've called us and made us to be, one step at a time. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The bathrooms are over here to my right, if you were wondering. There's a big sign saying so. Um, Have you ever had a conversation with somebody where you sort of, you you begin the conversation and you're walking them towards something and it's like you're painstakingly sort of marking out how this goes in order to get to this point, and you get to that point, and then they say something or they ask a question that is absolute assurance that they've heard nothing that you just said, right? You've been there before? This happens with our kids all the time. It's like, kids, I need eyes right here, right here. I need you to listen. Please tell your bodies to communicate to me that you're listening too. Like, stop moving. Eyes, listen. And so we walk through something, and we're talking, we're talking, and we get to the end of it, and then one of them's like, you know, can we go to Dairy Queen And it's clear that whatever has just been said has been completely lost. Like, there's no recollection of it. They've completely missed it. And this is a bit like what's happening in this text, in this passage. This question that Peter, or excuse me, James and John ask, you know, Jesus, when you you get to the top, do you think that we could sit at your right and your left? I mean, what do you think about that, huh? comes after a string of teachings that go in the opposite direction of the question that they've just asked. So it's clear that something was not clicking, and I think sometimes we kind of miss the, like the, the, the gravity of a moment like this, when a question like that is asked in light of all that's been talked about. So, and I think sometimes we fail to imagine ourselves in the story, like what must that have been like? So if you want to just close your eyes, here's what's just happened. Jesus has asked Peter, who do you say I am? Peter declares, you're the one, you're the Messiah, you are the Christ. Jesus says, yes, well done. Then he predicts his own death. He says, essentially, the Son of Man is going to be handed over to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They're going to crucify me, bury me, and I will rise from the dead. He predicts his own death. And then he says, and if you follow me, you die too. That's the way it works. Death to resurrection. Then he's transfigured on the top of this mountain. He goes up to this mountain. He sees Moses. He sees Elijah. The voice of God comes down. This is my son. Listen to him. Huge moment in the text. 
sort of confirming all that's happening, he heals somebody, then he predicts his death again. The Son of Man will be, will be betrayed, handed over, crucified, dead, resurrected. Then he teaches them that the kingdom of God is like, uh, you, you can only see it with the eyes of a child, with the faith of a child. Then there's this story about a rich young ruler, which is only further confirmation about this total and complete surrender to this way of life, which is about death and resurrection. It's about sacrifice and then resurrection. And then Jesus predicts his his death again a third time, and then the question comes. So Jesus, okay, so do you think when you get to the top, when the Romans are gone and you're the one in power, do you think we could sit at your right and at your left? Quite possibly, the most clear couple of chapters that we get in the gospel stories about what it really means to follow this Jesus and what the direction looks like and what eyes you have to have in order to see it, what the cost will be, how you enter it. This question couldn't be further away from the direction that Jesus is taking them. So if Jesus is going one direction and it's the story of his life, nobody? Story of my life and you all. Come on, y'all. Wake up! Come on, y'all! That was a good one. Oh, thank you, thank you. That was a good one. That was a good one. So if Jesus is taking them in this one direction, I mean, this question couldn't be going in any further of the opposite direction. It's totally missing the boat. Question for us this morning, since none of us have any idea what this is like. What do we know is true from Scripture, and yet we're surprised when it happens? Like, what is very clear in the scriptures, and yet when it happens, we're sort of surprised. Like, we didn't see it. Never saw it coming. I got robbed by a little old lady on a bike, and I never saw it coming. It's like Jesus is telling them the score of the game, and yet they keep betting on the wrong team. Is there any sense in which we know something is true, and yet when it happens or when we experience it, we're just like, whoa, where did that come from? Jesus says we have to die in order to live. Yet in how many ways and how often are we trying to preserve things and hang on to things that we know need to die in order that something new might be born? Come on now. We know it's true in our heads and yet we keep living like it isn't. And then when something dies or someone dies, God forbid, and we find God in the midst of that working and bringing new life, we're like, you'll never believe what God is up to! As if he's never done it before! And yet, this is what happens over and over and over again. Paul and Jesus says that we'll suffer if we follow Jesus. It's guaranteed. It's like ironclad. When you anchor your life to this way of being in the world, that's contrary to popular belief and public opinion. It's only a matter of time before, in some way, shape, or form, you get caught in the grinding of those gears. I was a freshman in high school, and I was about four feet nine, about 95 pounds. When, when I got to five feet tall, we actually had a party at my house. Not a joke. This is the truth. Like, the marks on the deal, like, it was, I think I was a summer after my sophomore year of high school. The nurse said I was a late bloomer. So, uh, I'm in high school, ninth grade, and there's this kid in the back. We'll call him Kevin for the sake of anonymity. And he's just yapping, just, you know, teachers, you know this kid? will not shut up. And he's, he's barking at some, one of my friends in the, up in the front. We'll call her Jessica. So Kevin's in the back. Jessica's up in the front. And I'm somewhere in the middle. And he's just yipping, yapping, saying all kinds of derogatory things. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, a gentleman does not speak to a lady like that. You can't do that. So you remember Popeye when he, he says, like, I can't stand it no more. 
Remember that? I had one of those moments, four foot nine, 195 pounds, big fella in the back, and I stand up and I turn around and I'm, hey, Kevin, why don't you leave, <laughs> why don't you leave my friend alone? And the room goes quiet, and then I hear, ooh, white boy's gonna get it. So I'm just like freaking out. Of course you would be, right? Like the bully is going to smoke you, man. So I put my backpack on and I run out the door and the fight circle begins to surround me. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can't make this up. It's like literally right out of a movie. The fight circle starts to surround me. I can't get out. The seas part and who comes in but Kevin the bully. Now, I don't know if you've ever been hit before or like punched one of the two times in my life I got punched in the face. He walks right up to me and he's just like, Boom! And I just hit the deck. Now, friends, we all imagine what it might be like to get punched in the face, but I'm telling you, it's terrible. It is really, really alarming. Like, I literally, I saw stars, right? And people are like, fight, fight, fight! And I'm like, no way! And I just like, just ran the other direction, right? When you stand up for life or light in a culture that is just nothing but death and darkness, you're going to get dinged. It will happen. If you consistently put yourself last, if you put others first and you forgive, people will take advantage of you. Because that's unfortunately part of the world that we live in. On this side of resurrection, you will taste the sting of death and grief and dying. But our sorrow, the text says, is accompanied by an unending and inexplainable joy. So we know that we're going to suffer, yet sometimes we're surprised. We know that death and despair in the end doesn't win. We know that love wins. We know that light triumphs. And yet there are days and seasons when it's just so dark, we're like, where has God gone? We know that God will be faithful to complete what God has started in you. And yet, so often, we get to this place of total despair, like God has abandoned us and that there is no hope and we have no idea what direction to turn to. Jesus tells his disciples that the power and the glory of God in the kingdom of Jesus looks like death, sacrifice, resurrection, and they just cannot see it. Can we sit at your right and at your left? I'm so glad that none of us have that experience in our lives where we know something is true and yet we struggle to hear it and see it maybe maybe that's where you are today i don't know i've read this guy named richard Rohr, who says in this one book called everything belongs wherever you find yourself this morning as a pastor and as a as a <laughs> I, like has, I have a check in my spirit when I say this. As a spiritual leader in this community, I want to say that everything belongs. That whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever despair or whatever hope, or it, it, it all belongs. And it's all a part of it. And so there's no need for shame. There's no need for guilt. There's no need to listen to the voices that say you ought or should or could. Take a deep breath. It belongs. So this question that they ask, can we sit at your right and your left, is a really profound question. And, and in spiritual life, there's often, we're often after the question behind the question. So what's really under the question that they're asking, right? This is a question about power. This is a question about what does it look like when you're in power? How do you get it? And what are you afforded when you have it? 
juxtaposed to as, uh, uh, against what is the nature of the kingdom and what does the power of God look like when it's on display? That's the question that's being asked. Can we sit at your right and your left? Because when you're in power, that, we know what it's going to look like. The Romans are going to be gone. We're going to kick them out. And Israel's going to be its thing again. And the temple's going to do its deal. And we're going to be the ones. And we want to be there when it happens. It's a question about power. And power and control have been here all the way from the beginning of the story. Go back to Genesis. And it's certainly still a part of our culture in our day and age. You only need to watch House of Cards or Game of Thrones or any number of shows to show that it's still present, right? So this is a question about power because in our, and and for them, James and John, we kind of give them a bad rap, but friends, it's an honest question. If you look around, this is what power looks like in our world. It's always top down, it's always secured by violence, and it's always perpetrated or Uh, uh, perpetuated by fear. Think about all the dynasties, all the empires that have ever walked the face of this planet. How did they get there? Weapons, power, coercive manipulation. It's just how it works. And then how is it perpetuated? When I'm the president, the first thing I'm going to do is uh, repeal Obamacare and then double down on ISIS and military spending. Has anybody heard that the last couple weeks? I'm not joking. And I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans here, friends. Don't hear me wrong. This is just the way it works. So the question that they ask is an honest one because if you look around, that's how the world works. And Jesus is essentially saying, listen, there's a different song that's being played here. Can you hear it is the question. When power is on display, it doesn't look like that. It's a question about power, but it's also a question about ego. Like when you think about the self and who you are as a person, you, the ego needs comparing and contrasting to differentiate itself from everybody else. So you have to have comparing and contrasting. Where do I stack up as compared to everybody else in the room? That's part of the question. And so you and I, we walk around, we live our lives where we essentially... We assess the distance and the gap between you and me, and then I derive value and meaning from how far that gap is. And depending on how far it is, there is more or less meaning or value from me or for you. There's a question about an ego, the ego, who we are as people. So this first question, can I sit at your right and at your left? It's a not a surprising question on the one hand, but the, the answer that Jesus gives is quite surprising because he does it in a form of a question, right? Can you drink this cup, Jesus says. They come to him and they say, Jesus, when you're in power, when you're on top, can we sit at your right and at your left? And Jesus says, can you drink this cup that I'm about to drink? Which has multiple layers. One, just in the text, right? Jesus says, can you do what I'm about to do? And for the disciples, the answer is both yes and no. No, you can't do what I'm about to do because if you could, I wouldn't be here, right? If you could do what I'm about to do, if you could secure what I'm about to secure on your own, there would be no need for me. But clearly, you can't. So I'm here. So no, you can't walk this path. You can't go to the cross. You can't sacrifice for self for the healing of the nations. It's not in you for some reason. So here I am. And then it's yes, on the other hand. Because as soon as Jesus rises from the dead, what does he say? Follow me. Follow me where? Follow me on this path to self-sacrifice and death so that resurrection and new life can be born. So in the text, there's this layer, but how about, how about this one for this morning? I want to 
hone in on something. I, I was in my office uh, this last week reading, studying for this message, and I thought to myself, I, there's a book I, on, on something around this text. I've, I've seen it. I've read it. So I started going through my bookshelves, and sure enough, there's a book entitled, Can You Drink This Cup? Ha! Bam! This guy named Henry Nowen wrote a book, and he, he asked this question about, really, essentially, this idea of here and now. So if one layer is in the text, another layer is here and now. I believe with all my heart that this book is not just two-dimensional. It's not just black and white words on a page that happened 2,000-some years ago. But actually, God is in the business of revealing God's self in and through this text. So there may be something being revealed about God for you and for me today. So what does it mean that God might be asking us, can you drink this cup? We know Jesus prays in a garden, and he says, Father, if it be your will, or if there be any other way, take this cup from me. Will you take it from me? Will you, this cup being my life. So now and talks about this idea of three sort of movements in this. Can, and if we think about this cup as our own lives, can we hold it, can we lift it up, and can we drink it? So what does it mean to hold your own cup, your own life? I have a question for you. Have you ever had a hard time coming to grips with your own life? Like when you stop long enough to really think about your own life. Not for what you wished would have happened or what you hope might happen, but for what it actually is. All the pain, all the hurt, all the sorrow, all the beauty, all the joy, all of it. Here you are. Holding, coming to grips with your own actual life. I think if we stop long enough and we think about this, for many of us, that's a tough one. Because there's a lot of things that have happened that we didn't wish happened. And there's a lot of decisions we maybe have made that we wished we didn't make. And there's a lot of things that we hoped might be true in the future that we're not sure if they will. And so we live constantly in what isn't actually real. And we're trying to wish away something that did happen and hoping for something that might happen. All the while, there is a life to be lived, an actual life. And now its question is, can you name your own life and hold it? That takes a lot of guts. And it takes a lot of reflection and a lot of strength and courage to just say, here I am. Oh, we've heard this before, haven't we? This is Hineni from the Hebrew. This is what happens when Moses shows up at the burning bush. This is what happens when God calls Samuel's name. Hineni, here I am. How many of us this morning can say, here I am? All of me. All the sorrow, all the pain, all the joy, all the beauty, all of it, right here, right now. Can you hold your own life? And then can you lift it up? Now it says that essentially, not only can we hold our own life, but can you lift it up? Like if you have a glass of wine and then somebody raises it, what happens next? I heard it. Cheers, right? Lachaim, Gazuar, Salud, Skol, Go Vikings. When somebody says Lachaim, this Hebrew word, it means to life. Raising a glass is a recognition and celebration of what's in the glass, right? It's, and it's more than that. It's this toast and this naming of the holy and sacred and divine that's present in the everyday and in the mundane. It's a recognition, like a recognition that it's all a gift. 
the wine, the table, the food, the people, the breath, all of it, can we lift up our actual lives as they are, as a gift, a celebration to life, which only happens after we come to grips with what we're actually holding and lifting up. And we've all been in this room when somebody does that, when they, with honesty and authenticity, lift themselves, not in a self-promoting way, but they offer themselves honestly and authentically all the joy, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the beauty, all the love, all the life, and they bring it. It's a blessing. Now one says, when we lift the cup, it's a blessing, the cup of sorrow and of joy. When lifted for others, to life becomes the cup of blessing. And then he says, and then we drink it in all the way. The cup we hold and lift, we must drink. I don't know if you've ever been around people. This is Uncle Rico, by the way, in, uh, in, in the, the, what's the movie I'm thinking of? Napoleon Dynamite. You ever wish you could just go back? Man, if Coach had put me in, we'd have won state. I know it. <laughs> and we all laugh because it's funny. But it's true, right? Have you ever been around somebody like that where it's just like all about hopes and wishes and dreams and you wish you could go back and change this or that thing? And there's this, there's this sense in which they never actually lived their own life. And there's all kinds of things that are left on the table. Can you drink it in all the way? And the question that we immediately go to is how much, or, you know, uh, uh, well, well, this person got, they did this, and they made all this money, and they accrued all these things, and, well, me compared to them. That's not the question. You, your life, has a potential. Did you live it all the way? There are some people who have less potential than others. That's just true, if we're honest about it. I don't know why. It just is what it is. But I have one life, one holy and sacred and precious life. And if I don't live it, nobody else will. You can't. So can you drink your life, what it actually is, all the way in? And the beauty and the profound mystery of this is, not only is it a blessing to those around us, but now one would argue it's the path to salvation. We find life. True life. Real, actual life. So two questions and a comment. Can I sit at your right and your left? Can you drink this cup? And then Jesus sort of ends with this manifesto moment. And as we close, I want to turn our attention to this. He says, the kingdom of God looks like this. You think power looks like this. You think it means that when you climb the top and you get up there, that that's what it's going to look like, and that's what the view is going to feel like and look like. And he says, essentially, it's the opposite. The kingdom always, always, always is sacrifice of self and service to other. It's always power under. It's never power over. So rest assured, friends, if you want to know what the kingdom looks like, if you want to know what it looks like to follow Jesus, if you want to know authentic and true spirituality as it relates to Jesus, it's always going to be power under, never power over. It's always going to be the sacrifice of self first for the benefit of others. It's always going to look like that. So question for you this morning. Two of them. One, is there one person in your life that you can move intentionally towards with the posture of the kingdom?
service? Is there one person in your life? Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse. Is there one person in your life that you can move towards with intentionality, with the posture of the kingdom, which is always this one? Never this one. Let's just start there. Simple. Maybe there for you this morning, there's an invitation to hold your actual life. To stop pretending that something didn't happen or hoping that something might happen, but to stand right where you are, draw a circle around yourself, and just say your own stinking name. This is my life. Can you hold it, lift it up, and drink it all the way in? I want to invite... Uh, the worship team, they're going to come and lead us in a time of response, and I want to invite you to a time of silence. We do this weekly because we think that God speaks amidst silence, and that there's probably a whole lot more that God wants to say that I didn't say, or we'll leave it at that. So I want to invite you to a time of silence to consider those two questions. Is there one person And then what would it mean for you to hold and lift up and drink your own life as it is actually as a celebration of life? So God, here we are. Here you are. We've come for all kinds of different reasons and we trust that you are good, that you love us, that you want life for us. So lead us to it. Lead us counterintuitively to serve and give ourselves away sacrificially for the, bit, the benefit and the sake of others. Would you give us one person this week? Show us their face. Let us hear their name. Or maybe this morning there's an invitation to hold our own lives as they actually are. Not what we thought they might be at this age or at this stage, but for what they really actually are and to be able to enter into it fully as a gift from you. So as we meditate on these, God, be clear, I pray. Speak to us. I love you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I invite you, if you feel sense that God's doing something, um, Sometimes prayer is just somebody bearing witness to what's happening, saying it out loud for you, with you. Um, So please follow that if you sense it, if you feel it. Our prayer team would love to join you in that. Receive this benediction today. My hope and my prayer for you, for us, is that we would see the power of God at work in the world through the self-giving and sacrificial love of his church that we would hold our own lives as they actually are, lift them up in celebration to the God who gave them, and drink them all the way down. And in it, find life. Grace and peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community.
See you next time.